0: Well, here it is, finally, the night that we've been waiting for. If you've been journeying with us through Advent, we've been working through uh, Luke 1 so far, all 80 verses. You've been with us through it for all of the announcements and the prophetic angel appearances, those songs of responses, everything building up to this moment. Now, Jesus coming to earth, and he is here now. And you know, from a narrative perspective, if we're going to get kind of picky, it is really not much to it. Out of all that buildup, all of those 80 verses that we've looked at so far, uh, this is, uh, kind of comes with very little fuss. I mean, we're given very few details. There's, there's some, uh, kind of though, we get the details of the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, we know that we're given some social context for who is in power, right? In charge, who's governor and who's king at the time. Uh, we're told who is traveling and, and why. Uh, we're told that Joseph and Mary, they're, they're going to Bethlehem because that's, that's where Joseph is from and from the line of the house of David. We're given some of these details that kind of give us this social location. But it's kind of very simply just verse number 7, right, that says and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Very little fuss, not much to it, and yet it captures the very humble birth of our Savior in a manger, a feeding trough to an unwed mother under Roman occupation with a forced census that was likely taken for taxation and military purposes, right, to remember kind of the rule of Rome they were under. But Jesus, born on the road along the way, a very humble birth. And there is a birth announcement that's sent out. Did you catch that? Probably not one that we send today. Well, that would be fun. Amazingly enough, this birth announcement is sent out, but not to the emperor, not to that governor that was named, not even to the high priest in Jerusalem, but to some shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. That's who gets this birth announcement. There's a TV show on the Discovery Channel that I've uh, kind of become fascinated by recently. Has anyone seen it? It's called Dirty Jobs. Yeah? Yeah. It's been on a long time, apparently. I did not realize this. Hosted by Mark Rowe. Um, and he kind of goes, travels around. Here you go, dirty jobs. He kind of travels around, uh, and he finds the most difficult, strange, disgusting, or messy jobs he can. And he interviews these people. He actually, like, he, he films this, right? And he actually does the work with them for a certain amount of time, kind of noting this, this dirty job, from collecting bat guano from caves for fertilizer to following garbage collectors, sewer inspectors, hot tar roofers, ostrich farmers, coal miners, even to chimney sweeps, and that's just season one. Apparently, it's been on since 2003, lots of seasons. There's been a spin off show even called Somebody's Gotta Do It. <laughs> and that kind of captures the spirit of the show. Dirty jobs, really hard work, no one wants to do them but they are a vital part of society. Somebody's got to do it. I kind of wonder if the shepherds were not the dirty job of the ancient world. Somebody's got to do it. I mean, if you think about it, it was a really difficult job. Had some really long hours. They had to ensure that that to be a shepherd, you have to ensure that your flocks are well fed, but then you also have to wrangle some obstinate sheep at times. You have to fend off from predators, even wolves or larger animals like bears and lions. Some might might even try to sneak in and steal your sheep. This is probably why the shepherds were awake on that night. If they weren't before the angels arrived, they definitely were afterwards. But it's likely that they were awake because they were working in shifts with their sheep and their flock by night. They'd even sort of, if there was sort of a makeshift enclosure that the sheep might stay in for a night, they would lay their body over the entranceway to protect them from anything that might come in. If you remember from the Gospel of John, when Jesus says, I am the gate as a shepherd, that's what he's referring to. The shepherd that would lay his body over the opening of this enclosure to protect and guard the sheep within. Shepherds were nomadic, Often living apart from society, wandering around and and guiding them to different pastures for feeding, practically living outside full-time with their sheep. And because of this, it was often single sons of peasant farmers who would become shepherds because they would need someone to keep their sheep for them. But it really needed to be a separate profession from full-time farming. So it was the single sons that they send out to the fields for supervision of the flocks. So first it was a hard job, probably a rather dirty job, full-time, but also it wasn't very well respected by society. In fact, it was a despised occupation at the time. Just a few historical accounts I read, here are some of the things that people thought about shepherds at the time. They were scorned as shiftless and dishonest people, even sometimes called thieves, because they allowed their flocks to graze on other people's property. They were poor, they were illiterate, they were thought to be dishonorable, because if they weren't single sons of peasant farmers, if they did have a family, they couldn't be at home at night to protect their women and their family. They likely didn't own land, they would have been hired out for wages, which would have made them peasants, maybe like their family in peasant farming, but that would have made them very much toward the bottom of the scale of power and privilege. I want you to hear that they were outcasts of polite society, ranked together with other maybe dirty jobs, somebody's got to do it, nobody wants to, like, sailors or butchers or camel drivers. That was a fun thing I read. They were ranked among camel drivers and other despised occupations. They were lowly. Lowly shepherds. Maybe the only significance that they might have had any value in the community would have been of what they could have produced. right—the The commodity of sheep for wool and meat and milk especially as it got closer to Passover, everybody wants a lamb then. But that would have been their only value. And it's to them, these lowly shepherds, these despised and scorned shepherds in the middle of the night that the birth of Jesus is announced. And it says the glory of the Lord shone all around them. So it starts with just one, one angel, likely Gabriel. We're familiar with him by now. But then he's joined with a whole multitude of heavenly hosts. I mean, I just picture the whole night sky being lit up around them. Glory and light surrounding them. Heaven meeting earth in this sort of amazing, glorious way. Let it be noted here that heaven meets earth then in in sort of obscure places. Remember, this birth announcement is not sent to to the halls of power. It's it's not sent uh, to the castle or wherever the, the king might live. Not the royal residence, but here on a farm in shepherds' fields. To stinky and sketchy shepherds. I love this quote by Jen Hatmaker that says that he would come to us poor, born to a young girl with no accolades in a manger attended by shepherds that he bypassed the palace where he rightly belonged as king and placed himself in the margins, his very birth explaining his kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. Revealed now in the birth of Jesus, this very humble birth among very humble people. The one who's not just for the powerful and the elite, but for all people, especially the lowly and outcasts, especially the poor, the despised, the stinky, the overlooked, the lowly. By entering human history this way, God identified with the powerless, the oppressed, the poor, the homeless. I love this, among them God could and God would do the new divine work among these people. This is the kingdom of God from humble beginnings, humble people, requiring maybe, a reminder for us tonight, requiring maybe then some humility ourselves to enter such a kingdom. A scholar, Elizabeth Johnson, says this. This Savior is born for us even these many centuries later, and his birth is good news for all people. He comes to bring peace on earth by reconciling us to God and to one another with the power of love that casts out fear. His reign continues to break into our world wherever the lowly are lifted up. Listen, church, wherever the outcasts are welcomed, wherever the hungry are fed, wherever the poor are clothed and sheltered, and wherever the captives are set free, wherever enemies are reconciled, wherever the good news is proclaimed, sins are forgiven and lives are transformed. I am so grateful to serve a church here with you that gets this, this nature of the kingdom that breaks in and announces the reign of God because of who we welcome and who we serve and who we love. Wherever these things happen, the kingdom of God breaks in. Wherever this good news is announced to the despised and the rejected of our own day, the kingdom of God breaks in. Whenever we humble ourselves to identify and befriend those who are despised and rejected, the kingdom of God breaks in. And whenever we accept that this is good news of great joy for us too, the kingdom of God breaks in. That means for you too. Because here, the, the truth is, sometimes listen, I don't know what I'm going to do with this microphone. but I'm about to rip it off and have a handheld. It's fine until I look down. It's fine. OK. Don't look down.) Don't look down then we're going to be in a world of trouble. Thank you. I'll just like not move my neck and you'll be like, is she alive up there? This is the good news that I want you to hear tonight. Because the truth is, sometimes we are the ones that feel despised and rejected. Now I know that might not resonate for all of us. You hear about the shepherds who are outcast or, or rejected, and, and maybe you here are somebody who, you feel like you have one of those professions that people don't really appreciate. It's, it's necessary. Somebody's got to do it, and yet it's not valued. You feel looked down upon. But then there's also those of us that feel despised and rejected or scorned because of how others have treated us, because of what we've done, because of what we've experienced. Because of Maybe what the powerful have said about you. And forgive us, Lord, maybe sometimes because of what the church has said about you. And maybe you're sitting here tonight going, I don't even feel like it's even Christmas. I don't even feel worthy to be here. I don't even feel like this is good news of great joy for all people. But this is for you, too, even you regardless of what your year has looked like, regardless of what you have accomplished or done, regardless of whether you feel worthy to be here or not, regardless of you've stepped foot in church since last Christmas, this is good news of great joy for you too. Even you. I love this. You'll hear often that Christmas is about family. Yes, it's about the unique moment in history when God asked an unwed young woman to give birth to a child who would create a family of God, not defined by biology, race, or gender, or social status. What good news for the lonely and for the forgotten. Good news of great joy for all people. Regardless of who you are, or what others say about you, or where you've been, or what you've done. This is the abundant nature of God's grace and kingdom revealed to us tonight in the birth of Christ and our Christmas story. And it's also revealed to us year-round every time we approach the communion table together as hungry sinners on this journey together, knowing that on our own there's not much we can do to earn or deserve this love or grace, but it's simply because of the love of Christ who came down at Christmas and offers himself to all of us here, all of us, all people. This is a table where all are invited and welcome to come as you are, to receive a gift of grace. It's a table where we celebrate that God is claiming and choosing and loving us. It's a table where we celebrate that heaven comes down and meets earth in obscure places. And sometimes at a table and sometimes at a table here at our church where we can celebrate together. So tonight we do have this honor and this privilege to approach this table together, to celebrate this truth of this Christmas story. No matter who you are or where you come from, if you're like the despised and stinky shepherds, if you're like the scared and single Mary, God is reaching down to us now through Christ, first in the manger, then later through the cross, and finally, in the promise of our resurrection with Christ one day. This table is for you, for all of us, even you, even if you haven't been here before, you are welcome here. And in honor of Christmas Eve, I'm gonna invite you to pray the words of our great Thanksgiving with me. And traditionally, they actually start with a prayer of confession. And we don't always say this together, but I thought on Christmas Eve, When we think about the humble birth of our savior uh, announced among very humble people who requires in his great kingdom to enter through such humility, to imitate the humility of Christ, actually we're called to do. What a lovely way it would be to, to prepare our hearts as we approach this table by praying together this prayer of confession. So church will you, well actually I'm gonna say this and then your words will be in green. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and who seek now to live in peace with God and with one another. Therefore, church, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God and spoke to us through your prophets. In the fullness of time, You gave Your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. And at His birth, the angels sang, Glory to You in the highest, and peace to Your people on earth. And so, with Your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise Your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of Your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. As Mary and Joseph went from Galilee to Bethlehem and there found no room, so Jesus went from Galilee to Jerusalem and was despised and rejected. As in the poverty of a stable Jesus was born, so by the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. As your word became flesh born of a woman on that night long ago, so on the night in which you gave yourself up for us, Christ took bread, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples. And said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took a cup. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to his friends, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant that's been poured out for you, even you, and for many, for the forgiveness Pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Would you make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, O God, would you make us one with each other, one with Christ, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen.